God's good to us. We are blessed. You don't have to stand, but we want to turn to Galatians chapter 6, verse number 7. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 7. If you got it, say amen. Be not deceived. God is not mocked or he's not faked out. God's not faked out. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. You know, my wife and I talk about this sometimes when we hear reports of somebody that's done something crazy, you know. We, you know, what are they thinking? You know what I'm saying? God knows all things. Amen. And if we have secret sins and all these other things in our lives, we're only deceiving ourselves. Amen. And uh, we need to get those out before the Lord because God's not mocked. Amen. He's not faked out. It even uses a stronger word for that. It says it's not, he's not ridiculed. In other words, he kind of takes a little bit of offense to it. You know, that you would, you would think that, oh, he doesn't see it. God is not mocked whatsoever, man. There's no truer statement in the word of God. Whatever you sow is what you're going to reap. If you sow to the flesh, you're going to have the flesh reap corruption. And if you sow to the spirit, then you shall of the spirit reap everlasting life. Amen. So I don't know about you, but I want to choose the other one. But it's not an easy road to go. And in verse 9, he kind of admits to that when he said, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. So just the fact that he puts this in here, the weariness, we know that we are going to come across some things that kind of make us weary. I could say 2020 so far in the flesh has just kind of made me weary Amen. Mentally weary. And it's, it's like, uh, I don't like it. Amen. And I don't like to have to go into a store and wear my mask and uh, all these things. I don't like to have to stay at home and not to be able to come to church. All these things are kind of can make you weary. But to be weary means to fail in the heart. To fail in the heart. He said, don't fail in your heart. You're going to be weary you're going to go through some things he said there'll be tribulations in this world but don't fail in the heart for in due season there is going to be an appointed time and i think it's twofold i think you know we go through a series of victories and valleys in our lives here right so you're going to reap here in this life you're going to have some victories in this life but ultimately everlasting life hallelujah Ultimately, heaven's our goal. Amen? So he said, don't faint. Don't get relaxed. Because in that season, you're going to reap if you faint not. We find it all through the epistles and Jesus. Paul even told the Thessalonians almost the same thing. He says, but ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. Jesus spoke a parable in Luke chapter 18. He talked to, that men should ought always to pray and not to faint. And he used the illustration, it's kind of a, um, I don't know what the right word is, a funny illustration to me, that a certain judge which feared not God, neither regarded man, and there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not, 
for a while or for a season. But afterward, he said within himself, though I fear not God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Amen. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge saith." So he's likened how he's going to respond to this unjudge, unjust judge's response to this widow lady that just keeps coming. Just keeps coming, making her petition. And the Lord says, that's what I want you to do. Keep coming. Don't be weary in well-doing. Just keep coming. Amen. And the Lord said, hear what he said. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto them, though he bear long with them for a season? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. Second Corinthians chapter 4 tells us, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Amen. This outward man, folks, it's going to perish. We can try to take care of it the best we can prolong our years here on the earth and I think we should but it's the inward man that's eternal and it can be renewed day by day amen and he says in verse 17 for our light affliction which is but for a moment or for a season worketh for us a far more exceeding exceeding and eternal weight of glory while we look not on the things that are seen but on the things that are not seen for the things which are seen are temporal they're just temporary they're going to pass away look at it all folks all the world's going to pass away but the things which are not seen are eternal amen he says but our light affliction now i don't know about you but i've had affliction in my spirit my soul my my body before and i didn't think it was light <laughs> and I'm, if you're going through something right now, it, it doesn't seem light. As a matter of fact, it could be very dire need in your life. But in comparison to that you're going to reap, hallelujah, this eternal life. In comparison, folks, it's but a light affliction. And it's for a moment. And he said, just keep going. Don't be weary in well-doing because you're going to reap, hallelujah, one of these days, ultimately eternal life. So we get different kinds of weariness. And one of them, of course, is simply from the discipline of the Lord. The Lord disciplines us. We can get weary in that. But if you're seeking the Lord, it says in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord or the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Don't faint. Don't get weary at his uh, chastening, at his discipline. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If you endure, and these words, you know, we look at these words, these words are endure i don't i don't like to endure amen that's why i don't exercise because you got to endure weight you know and i don't like to do that so i try to 
get around exercising. But he's saying, you know, you got to endure some things. Endure chastening from the Lord. God dealeth with you. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if you are without chastisement, whereof you are partakers, then are ye illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers in the flesh, our natural fathers, they correct us, and we give them reverence. Shall not we uh, the much rather be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chasten us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. When the Lord is chastening you, amen, don't get weary. And I know it's hard sometimes when the Lord's chastening us and correcting us, and, but it's for us to be like him. It's for us to be a part of his holiness. And now no chastening for the present or for the, se- or for the season. It seems to be joyous, but it's grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth a peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised hereby. If you've been in church any amount of time, you know that you've gone through some things, the the corrections of the Lord and the Lord leading you and guiding you to grow. And at the time, it's uncomfortable. But if you've been in church any, any amount of time, you look back and you understand that some of the things at the beginning that used to maybe be a problem for you or maybe a temptation for you, they're no longer that way because God's molding us and he's making us. Amen? But make no mistake, there's going to be times of weariness. First Peter tells us to humble yourselves, therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. With all the chastisement and the correction the Lord constantly is reminding us that there's coming a payday. It's going to be worth it all, folks. Hallelujah. It's going to be worth every hard trial, every long mile. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Do you believe the Lord careth for you? Brother uh, Joel Urshan came, like this was a while back, I think, and he talked on this verse And he brought a new insight in this verse to me. He said, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. He said, give the Lord your cares. He'll do the caring for you. I said, I like that. I like that. (laughs) Not just that he cares for us. Not just that he loves us. But he'll carry your burden for you. He'll care for you. He said, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, we have an adversary, folks, and it's the devil. He goes around seeking whom he may devour. Resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. In other words, there's nothing new under the sun. As far as the enemies out there, he's going to attack the church. Everybody goes through similar circumstances in our lives. A little bit different areas maybe, but basically it's all the same. But we need to remember that the Lord said, I'm going to build a church. And the gates of hell are not going to prevail against this church. Amen. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, it makes you perfect, established. It strengthens 
and it settles you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. So the Lord understands, and he says, I'm like a father, and thank God. He says, if I do those things in your life, that means you're my son. It means I care for you. I love you. If you don't discipline your children, the Bible says you don't love them. Amen? So when the father disciplines us, that just simply means he loves us. Hallelujah. And he said, don't be weary in well-doing, for in due season you're going to reap if you faint not. So we have that. We also have weariness from the worldly pool. The world tries to pull on us. We're in the world, right? But we're not of the world. But uh, the psalmist had this problem, and it's spelled out really well in Psalms chapter 73. He says this. He says, but as for me, my feet were almost gone, and my steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He got his eyes on the wicked. And he got to thinking, you know, he was envious of the foolish. And he made these statements in the, in the following verse. He says, their strength is firm. They're not troubled as other men. Neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than the heart could wish. He's looking at all these things and really feeling sorry for himself. They're corrupt, they speak wickedly, and they say, how doth God know? (laughs) And is there knowledge in the Most High? Would we just read, be not deceived, God is not mocked. God knows, and there is knowledge with the Most High. Amen. Behold, these are ungodly who prosper in the world, and they increase in riches Verse 13 said, Verily I had cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long I've been plagued. I'm trying to do the right things and I'm, pre- I'm plagued and I'm chastened every morning when I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. But verse 17 is where he comes to his sentence. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. <laughs> Don't get your eyes on the world. It may look like they're being prosperous, amen, but they're not, hallelujah. God knows everything that's going on. There's nothing that gets out of God's knowledge. He knows all things. He's not mocked. And in verse 26 of that same chapter, he said, My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For lo, they are not far from thee. They that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go a-whoring from thee. In other words, he said, really, in reality, they're weak, they're terrified, they're scared, and God is going to destroy all those that go away from him. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in God that I may declare all thy works. So we, feel, we see here how the psalmist struggled with this temptation of the flesh. And as he looked on things, he didn't see clearly. But it says, until he went into the house of the Lord. Amen. And that's why it's good to be in God's house. That's why it's so important for us to come together and to hear God's word. Because there's power in the word. Amen. And the word of God's alive. It's, it's, and it speaks to our hearts. Hallelujah. 
We also have the story of the prodigal son and how that he got his eyes on the world. He wanted the inheritance. He wanted to go out and do his thing, right? And he went and spent everything, and he found himself in a famine. Didn't work out too good for him. He found himself in the hog pen, desiring to eat the hog food, amen? And the Bible says when he came to himself, amen, he came to himself, and he says, you know what? Even in my father's house, those that are the least have least have enough to eat. Amen. He came to his self. And his father also had to deal with the elder son who became jealous that the father received the prodigal son and rejoiced with him. And, but the father said unto him, Thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. Amen. Don't get envious of the world and the things that the world has. Don't get envious of your brothers and sisters that the Lord seems to be blessing. Amen. Just keep on keeping on. Don't be weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. Amen. And then, of course, life just happens. Life. There's really no reasoning about it. Luke 13 talks about there were present at that season some that told him, Jesus, of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. So apparently there came some worshipers. They were Galileans. They went into the temple and Pilate put a hit on them, I guess it sounds like to this portion, and killed them in the temple. Mingled their, their blood with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans, because they suffered such things? I tell you, nay, but except you repent, ye shall all likewise perish. We cannot look at the situations of the lives of ourselves or others and determine whether or not God's blessing them or not blessing them. Just because you're going through a hardship does not mean that the hand of God is not with you. Amen. There may be another reason. Hallelujah. He said 18, uh, 18 people were in a tower and it fell and it slew them. And do you think that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you no. But except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Amen. And we read of the story of the blind man in John chapter 9. Jesus passed by. He saw a man which was blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered and said, Neither hath this man sin nor his parents, <clears throat> but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. It doesn't, uh, you cannot gauge the hand of God on an individual upon what they're going through. Amen? What their life is like. They did that a lot in, in the Old Testament, coming into the New Testament, and they thought, you know, that if there was something wrong with you, then uh, physically it was because of sin in your life. And Jesus is straightening out that thought. Amen? And he's saying, listen, you're going to have life. As long as you're in this world, you're going to have tribulation. Things are going to happen to each and every one of us. Things are going to come upon us. Amen. And he's just saying that all these things are the works that um, God should be made manifest in us. 
That's what it's all for. When people look upon us and they see the trials that we're going through and the situations they're going through, and they, they look at us and we are an epistle known and read of all men. Amen. And they say, I don't know how I do, how they do that, how they go through that. Well, it's for the glory of God. And that's what it's all about. And we also read that Paul, the greatest apostle in the, in the Bible, in the New Testament, he had a thorn in the flesh. Don't know what it was. He had some kind of a thorn. The Bible says, I think he prayed for it to go away three times. And finally, God told him, he said, my grace is sufficient for thee. Hallelujah. God wants us not to be weary in well-doing. You just keep living for God. You just keep going. Amen. In due season, you're going to reap if you faint not. And then we get weary because of responsibility. Amen. It would be a whole lot easier just to stay home, right? But responsibility brings us to the house of God. Responsibility makes us get up and, and be a part of the kingdom of God and to work in all the different areas. And by the way, while we're talking about that, I just want to thank everybody that sacrificed their time to work in this conference this past weekend. Amen. And some people took off work. They took vacation days to be here. And it was sacrifice. And uh, it doesn't go unnoticed by the Lord. Amen. But he said um, in a parable in Luke chapter 13, a certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came and he sought fruit thereon and found none. And he said to the dresser of the vineyard, behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why does it cumber it, the ground? And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, and I will dig around it, dung it, and if it bear fruit, well, and if not, then after that I'll cut it down. There comes a responsibility in our lives. We know the parable of the talents, right? The one that had th five and three talents and one had one. But the one that had the five and the one that had the three, they went out and did something with those talents. They had to work those talents, and they multiplied those talents. The one that just had one, he just sat on it. Anybody can just sit on what God has given unto us. Amen? Not everybody has the same amount of talents, if you will. But we all have something that we can do for the kingdom of God. And God says that we have the responsibility. Amen? To do something with God's um, talents that he's given to us. In Ephesians chapter 5 it says, Redeem the time because the days are evil. We need to redeem the time. That's one thing that we can do in our lives. To rescue it from loss. Don't waste time. Amen. Improve the opportunities that come our way. Romans chapter 13, 11 through 14, and that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting, not in drunkenness or in chambering or wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. 
Amen. So we have this responsibility to take control of our time and to realize and awaken ourselves and the reality of what's around us. We were at dinner tonight with my grandkids and um, my grandson, three years old about, something like that. And he's he's all about being a big boy. I'm a big boy, you know, he says... He's on, he can do everything. He wants to be a big boy now, you know. At dinner, his mom says, well, today he was kind of, he wanted to be a little boy. Because he wanted held, cuddled by his mama. <laughs> and I thought, that's, a, that's how we are spiritually sometimes. You know, we want to be a Christian. We want to be big Christian, you know. But then there's times in our lives that, you know, hey, that, that responsibility, with coming with that comes that responsibility. And even at three years old, he understood, you know, that being a big boy, that came with a lot of responsibility that you just did everything on your own. Amen. And so we need to realize that God is just wanting us not to be weary in well-doing. We have responsibility. If we're not careful, we can be slack in doing the things that God desires for us to do. We need to gird up the loins of our minds and of our heart. Amen. And to do the work of the Lord. And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. So these four different areas. The discipline of the Lord and worldly pull. And just simply life that happens to us. And responsibilities. These are four things that can cause weariness in our lives. And we need to keep on fighting. He's wanting us to know. He says, I want you to keep on fighting. Don't be weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap. Ecclesiastes tells us that there is a season and that there's a time for every purpose under heaven. These are seasons that we're going to go to go through. Times when we're struggling, times when we feel weary. But there's also going to be times when we're reaping, hallelujah, the goodness and the things of God. As we looking into this scripture that we read, it comes from Galatians chapter 6. And the book of Galatians is not a very big book, but it, it is written by Paul. And Galatia was a region um, in, in Israel. And it was um, made up of different little cities that Paul went to, Iconium, Lister, Derby, on his uh, missionary journeys. And so Paul is back, and he's not there anymore, but he gets word that somebody has been coming in behind him to these churches in Galatia and telling them that they need to abide by the law, the Old Testament law, in particular, the uh, circumcision. And so Paul, of course, doesn't have FaceTime and that other thing that we do all the time where you can see each other and, and he didn't have a telephone or anything to call him. He has to write a letter. And you read in the book of Acts about the missionary journeys. They took years for him to do. And he's established these churches along the way. But he's getting word back there's some wolves come in unaware and trying to get these Gentiles believers to be circumcised. So Paul's upset. All right. And he's trying to straighten them out. We look into this portion of scriptures in Galatians, there's six chapters there, but he uses some very strong language as he's talking to these churches. 
And he's telling the people, basically, that you do not need to be circumcised and that the law no longer has to be followed. Amen. And so Paul, in chapters 1 and 2, he's trying to certify his calling and his apostleship. And in those two chapters we find in Galatians 1, 11, it says, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not of man, for I neither received it of a man, neither was I taught it, but by revelation of Jesus Christ. He wants them to understand that he had this revelation from Jesus Christ. He just didn't come in preaching some certain gospel. And he says, for though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Very strong language here. He said, you know, and so as we said before, so I say now again, if he just kind of repeats himself from verse 8 to verse 9. If anyone preaches any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. Folks, the word of God Amen. It is powerful. Amen. And it is not a private interpretation. Amen. But there's a way. There's one Lord. There's one faith. There's one baptism. Amen. And Paul's getting very um, excited, if you will, or very strong in his accusations about people that would want to try to change the gospel. He used the words of false brethren in chapter 2. And he even called out Peter and Barnabas and some of the Jews. He called them hypocrites is what he called them, actually, is that they were Peter. You know, then when the Jews weren't around, Peter would fellowship with the Gentiles. And, and then when the, the Jews came around, then Peter kind of withdrew from the Gentiles. And, went, and, and Paul says, I withstood him to his face. And he said even Bar- Barnabas was drawn away and some of the others. But he concludes this chapter in 221 he says i do not frustrate the grace of god for if righteousness come by the law then christ is dead in vain and so in the first uh, two chapters he's trying to establish that the word of god is settled and it comes by revelation amen and in verse in chapters 3 and 4 he begins to set forth the doctrine, apostolic doctrine, if you will. He said, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you to fascinate somebody by false representations? He said, who's bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Hallelujah. Are you so foolish, having begun in the spirit, that you are now made perfect in the flesh? And they were all, you know, we, well, we have Abraham for our father. That was their big thing, Abraham and, and the law and everything. But Abraham, who was the, the Bible calls faithful, Abraham sim- simply means believing. Amen. And in Galatians chapter 3 verse 6, he says, Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. He's saying he believed, and that's what made him righteous. He believed God. Amen. And in John chapter 7, it says, He that believeth on me, Jesus speaking, uh, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. That this spake he of the Spirit would say that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus 
was not yet glorified. Mark 16, 16 says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. In Galatians chapter 3, back to our main portion, he says that the blessings of Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Remember, in these two chapters here, we find him setting forth a doctrine. Jesus opened up the understanding of the disciples in Luke chapter 24, and he said, it, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And he said, Behold, I send the promise of my Father unto you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Paul's telling the Galatians that we receive the promise, this promise of the Spirit. Jesus has already told his disciples, he said, I'm sending the promise of the Father. And when you get this, you'll be endued with power. You'll have power from on high. And so he continues and he tries to explain the law to the Galatians. And he said, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under the schoolmaster. He's trying to make this transition just like Jesus did from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And my grandfather, he was, he was a very humorous guy. And from the time that I can remember, he always said, Tim, six is two-thirds of nine. And so I'm four or five years old, and he'd ask me the question, six is two-thirds of what number? And I said, nine. I didn't know what I was saying. I just knew that that was what he wanted to hear. I do the same thing with my grandchildren now. It's so funny. But so he was, and he was uh, trying to make me to understand, and he would uh, be around his friends. He said, my grandsons, he's a mathematical genius. And he said, Tim, six is two-thirds of what number? And I'd look up from my toy and say nine, and they'd all laugh, you know. But I can remember when I was in fifth or sixth grade math class, I can't remember, um, but I came to the realization that, oh, six is two-thirds of nine. I understood. Bing. My grandfather lived across the street from the school. I ran home after school, and I said, Grandpa, six is two-thirds of nine. And we had a big laugh over that. <clears throat> but it was a revelation that came. The schoolmaster was bringing. And once I came to the revelation of that, hallelujah, and that's what happens when we come to the Lord, and we are filled with the promise of the Father, amen. And he goes on in Galatians 3, 26 and 28, for ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus, for as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. Neither is there Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. To be put, have put on Christ is the same thing. Is the same word that means endued or to provide with ability. Amen. And I, uh, I helped out with the ushers uh, during the conference. 
And they gave me a usher's jacket. And I put on that usher's jacket. Amen. And it's got the little east wind emblem right there. And I had the usher's jacket on. And I had a badge, a lanyard that said staff. And I'll tell you what. I walked around this place <laughs> endued with the power of Brother Derek Hayes. But he's saying when you are baptized unto Christ, you have put on Christ. Folks, that's why you've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. That's where you get the name that's applied. That's when you become endued with power from on high. Now, this jacket won't do me any good in the spiritual. But baptism in Jesus' name helps me to square my shoulders back. And I can walk into the spirit world and in the power in the name of Jesus Christ. Plead the blood of Jesus Christ over any situation, any weariness that comes into my life. Amen. Because we are serving a God, hallelujah, that is all-powerful. You believe that? Amen. It says in ver uh, chapter 4, he said, And when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that are under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. He brings in this new wording here, the adoption of sons and daughters. It's not excluding with ladies. It just means we're the children. He's adopted us. When you adopt somebody, you give them your name. Hallelujah. And you have the power of being a son. And because you are sons, God has sent forth his spirit of his son in your heart, crying, Abba, Father. Hallelujah. He's Christ in us. The hope of glory. And we've been baptized unto his name. And we've been robed with his name. And we've got the power of his name. And we've got the power of his spirit. For greater is he that is in you. Than he that is in the world. Amen. Wherefore we are no more a servant but a son. And if a son. Then of heir of God through Christ. Paul's trying to get this across to him. And, and I, I'm just trying to point out here. Especially in chapter 3. That Paul talks about the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Spirit, and he talks about baptism. Amen. This isn't just something from Acts chapter 2, 38, but it's throughout the whole Word of God. Amen. And so Paul is trying to bring this out to them, and there's a purpose for it. He said there's an application, and it comes in chapters 5 and 6. So he's trying to straighten out these people, and he's trying to bring forth this application and in chapter 5, it says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherein Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Ye did run well. What did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? And so he said, I would... They were even cut off from you, those that trouble you. For brethren, ye have 
been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. And for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Verse 14. This is the fulfillment of the old of the law. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And he went through all of this. I think that one of the greatest examples we have of this is when they brought the lady that was caught in adultery, right? And they threw her down at Jesus' feet. And they said, the law says, stoner, what do you say? The law, Jesus is trying to make this transition And it's all about loving others. Amen. He says, you that are without sin, cast the first stone. We have to be so careful. Amen. He said, for this I say, then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. He lists them, adultery, fornication, witchcraft, hatred, envies, murders, drunkenness, all these things in chapter 19, or verse 19. They which do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have been crucified in the flesh with the afflictions and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. He's saying, when you receive, the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit and love is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. He said, we have this great access now through the New Testament into the throne room of grace he said, we glory in that and this invitation to come boldly into his presence. But he said, not only this, but we glory in tribulations. Tribulations work with patience and patience, experience and experience, hope. And hope never maketh a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Paul is very hard on the false teachers. He's very hard hard on them going back from the truth that he set forth to them. Don't ever make a mistake of thinking just because we stand firm on the gospel of Jesus Christ that that's not love. Amen? Paul's bringing that out in this whole chapter, in this whole book of Galatians. He is mad. He's upset. He's using some strong language about those that would pervert, that would change the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? That doesn't mean we don't love. But he said the whole thing is that we love others. That's the application to all of this. If a man be overtaken in a, in a fault, chapter 6, verse 1. Ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. We need to bear one another's burdens. We need to love one another. Amen. That's what the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about. Yes, there's truth. Yes, 
You need to repent of your sins. Be baptized in Jesus' name. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's truth and there's no wavering from the truth. Amen? But the love of Christ is what it's all about. We need to love one another. Amen? Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. You know, what the world needs right now is the love of God. What the world needs, I uh, uh, took um, the piano player back. can't think of his name right now. Howard, Brother Howard, took him back to the airport. He says, you know, I was sitting up there on the piano looking out across the multicultural church. The people all worshiping together, loving God together. And he said, I thought this. I thought, where's the news media in all this? This is how we live. This is who we are. Amen. We love one another. We're, there's no black, white. There's no Jew. There's no Gentile. We're all the body of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us not be weary in well-doing. You just keep on loving God. Keep doing the right things. Amen. It's going to be worth it all. In due season, we're going to reap if we faint not. As we have, therefore, opportunity... Let us do good unto all men, especially to them who are of the household of faith. Amen. Let's all stand. Hallelujah. I forget, I didn't, uh, working, uh, you don't get to hear all the messages in their fullness. You know, you just pick up a little bit here and there and then you're out and then you hear another part. But somebody was talking about the love of God. In his messages. And, and I've yet to be able to go back. And to listen to all the messages again. But there's power. In the love of God. He told his disciples. A new commandment I give unto you. That you love one another. As I have loved you. That you also love one another. By this shall all men know. That you are my disciples. If you have love one to another. Amen. Let's all pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Jesus, for your word. And God, we just thankful, God, for all that you do for us. And Lord, I pray, God, that the word of God tonight would touch the hearts of those that need to hear and to receive it, Lord. We're nothing without you. And God, we know, hallelujah, that you love the world. Hallelujah. You loved us. You've forgiven us, oh God. Instill within us the power of that love to love the world, especially those that are in our household here of faith. Our own brothers and sisters, give us a love, O oh God, that will help one another, support one another. And God will give you the thanks and all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. God bless you. You're dismissed in the fear of the Lord. <laughs>